Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody. Um, I see a lot of new faces that uh, have not been in person here before since we opened up a couple of months ago, and so we're glad to have you. We're happy to see you, and we hope that you're blessed by, by having been here. I also want to acknowledge my brother Andy, who is currently serving in the military, but is visiting us this morning. Appreciate what you do, brother, and uh, glad to have you here. I want to remind you, if you're not receiving our emails or texts, uh, we'd we'll love for you to go online, scroll all the way down, and uh, fill out a contact form. Just give us some basic information that will allow us to, to stay in touch with you uh, so that you can know about upcoming events and things that are happening in our church because there's lots of those happening. And I want to share some of those with you right now. I want to express my gratitude to the Lord because six years ago, uh, Crosspoint, uh, as we know it, started. So it's our sixth anniversary as Crosspoint. Isn't that great? Yes. Feels like. Uh... So I'm a little torn. It feels like time has flying by uh, quickly, and at the same time, I feel like we've been here for for much longer than that. So I think it speaks of of God's work in us and through us as a congregation. You know, we merged two two congregations six years years ago. And we've seen God doing some amazing work in us and through us. And for that, we're grateful. So we want to celebrate that and look forward to many more years, see what the Lord has for us as, as Crosspoint, as a congregation, as a family. Um, I want to let you know that I, I would love to meet with you, get to know you a little bit. I know some of you, we've known each other for 30 years. That sounds strange just saying that, but some of you, I don't know that well. If you go online to crosspointchristianchurch.com, you'll see... A, a portion there. We're working on it still. It might be completely up. If it's not, it'll probably be up this this, this week. We're working on uh, some kind of office hours. So if you want to meet with me, if you want to just hang out, take me out to lunch, I don't know what, some like that, uh, I would love to meet with you. I've gotten a chance to to do a lot of that. Since I've retired from teaching, that is one of the things that, that uh, doing full-time ministry has allowed me to do, which is meet with more people, spend time with with uh, people, pray with you, just get to know you, and um, and see how we can grow together, all right? So I would encourage you to do so as well. Um, I, I don't almost ever mention offerings, but somehow you guys keep offering and give giving to the Lord your offering. So that speaks of uh, your uh, understanding of your responsibility and privilege to be able to give to the ministry here at Crosspoint. Um, even, even through uh, this pandemic, um, our brother David Doolittle, who is our treasurer, uh, has has given us uh, reports. If you if you go to our YouTube channel, you'll see a couple of videos where he's there. He gives a financial report, and one of the things that has been amazing uh, and encouraging to me and to our leadership, and I think to all of us, is to know that through our the pandemic, our our offering has pretty much been almost exactly the same. Um, so. Thank you for those of you who have taken it upon yourselves to be responsible and, and uh, caring and giving to the Lord. You don't give to us, you give kind of through us. Our, our hope is that as, as the Lord blesses us, we're able to do, whether it's projects like the one that's being done right behind me and soon to be completed, um, or other things that are going on here, or our support of um, various organizations and, and uh, spiritual family members around the world that we get to support and help. So thank you for that you are able to give online. We do have a couple of offering boxes in the back in case you want to you know, drop uh, in your, your offering or, or I think most, I don't know, 
I, I actually don't know if most people give online or what have you, but I know there is that, that option to give online. So I would encourage you to do so. Be in prayer about it. I believe giving is part of your worship uh, service unto the Lord and recognizing that, that everything belongs to the Lord and everything that we get to enjoy and experience is from Him. So keep that in mind as well. Um, at the end of today's service, and we want to do this more, we're going to have at least one couple up here in the front so that at the end of the service, if you want to talk to someone, have somebody pray over you, with you, or you just want to chat about something that you heard, or maybe the Lord convicted you of something or is prompting you for something, and you want to talk to somebody, we're going to have at least one couple up here ready to meet with you and pray with you. So we want to encourage you to do that as well. You know, get connected, get connected. Um, I don't know if lastly, but next week, Lord willing, on Saturday, uh, we're having a special event. Normally, we, all the men, or most of the men, uh, would have been uh, at a men's conference. So we do a yearly men's conference. I think we've gone there six or seven years in a row. And um, this year, they're not having it because of the pandemic. But it's, it's, uh, it's up in the mountains, and that organization, Alpine, uh, I don't know if it's called Alpine Conference Center, has always been very supportive of us. They, they give us scholarships, they, which allows many of the men to be able to go. And um, so we want to express our gratitude to them for having helped us and encouraged us and supported us for the last six, seven years. And what we want to do is we want to take a group of, of people, men and women, to go up next Saturday. It's an all-day event, and we're going to go, uh, the people that are able to go are going to go and work on on their facility, basically. They, have, they always have projects to work on. And so if you are able to, you know, you know how to handle a hammer or just pick up whatever, you're able to, we could use all levels of, uh, what shall we say, of, of ability. So uh, I think they're going to try to have some projects for us to, to do. We'll get together if you need, you know, I would encourage carpooling and some of the young guys, or if, especially if you've been affected by, by scholarships from them, and you're able to go, I would encourage you to go. So um, awesome way for you to connect with, with other people, you know, to get together and, and carpool for a couple hours there and back, and then just work on whatever project they, they give us to do. I think it would be awesome. It would show, um, I think it will be very encouraging to them, and it will show our gratitude to them as they uh, have supported us and, and encouraged us to attend. And it's been a blessing every time we've gone, and so it's been, it's been, it's been awesome. So keep that in mind. Talk to you can talk to myself or Lance. We want to sign you up. Um, here, here's where here's where we've you know we've been talking about. You're gonna be hearing me talk a lot about this commitment, right? Like many of you probably heard that. And you're like, ah, oh, that sounds pretty good, but oh, I don't know. Something else might come up by then. I would say commit, do it, especially if you feel like that be that would be a good thing. I, I'm I'm almost certain it would be a great thing for you to do. Great time for you to connect with people with other guys or, or women, whoever ends up going. And uh, doing some great work for the Lord and blessing a, a uh, conference center that has been very good to us. And um, so I, I see it as a win-win. They win, we win, you win by attending. And Lord willing, uh, in the future years, we'll be able to continue going to these conferences and, and, and be blessed as we have been these last six or seven years. What I would like to do right now also is, you know that in a couple of days, literally, uh, our, our nation is going to have a big day, election day. And so what I want to do is I want us to, to offer a special prayer and, and have us pray together and specifically pray for our nation. Uh, I don't know where you're at, you know, politically speaking, and, 
And boy, is it a complicated issue, right? Some people say, you know, you shouldn't talk politics from the pulpit and, and define politics to me, you know? I don't need to be political. If I'm biblical, that's going to transfer over to, into the realm of, of politics because we choose to call it politics. But what we want to do, we want to stand on the truth. We want to stand on the word. And that is going to affect our lives. You know, the enemy would love to tell us that, you know, you have freedom of religion as long as you keep it to yourself. That's not going to work, beloved, and let's not buy into that lie. That's, that's, what, that's what Satan wants. One of my all-time favorite sermon titles of mine that I've given is when I was going through Acts, and it was um, what the devil wants for the church. You know what the devil wants for the church? And, and, and it had to do with when... Uh, Peter was arrested, and they were let go, and they said, you know, we're going to let you go, but just don't ever mention or preach the name of Jesus. And then Peter's like, "Uh, yeah, well, you let me go, but I'm still going to preach the name of Jesus. Meaning, you know, believe in Christ, but keep it to yourself. That's not what Christ tells us to do. He says to go out to all the nations and preach the gospel, and teach the word, and instruct, and make disciples. And in doing that, some of these topics, many of these topics that have to do with our lives and our following the Lord are going to be deemed political. So, you know, we don't endorse any candidates. We don't tell you who to vote for. I think it's a responsibility and a privilege that we have as citizens in this country. And it's definitely our responsibility to be in prayer. So for whoever ends up being elected as president and, and uh, whatever the House and Congress looks like after Tuesday, uh, let's be in prayer about it and understand that Jesus is Lord and he remains on his throne and we don't know what he's up to. I think we never do understand fully what he's up to, but we know he's on his throne. He's sovereign overall, and in that we find great comfort. But our responsibility is to pray for our nation. So let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to you this wonderful morning. What a beautiful uh, opportunity to gather as family, as your children in order that we would worship you, that we would consider you worthy of our attention and our time and our giving of ourselves. We thank you for allowing us to live in this country. And at the same time, Father, we pray, we ask that your loving kindness would be evident to all. We know and we read and we understand and it is is obvious that you are gracious to everyone, the just and the unjust, the good and the evil. And for that, we're grateful. And you've blessed this country in a very special way. And from those blessings, we have been individually blessed along with our families and loved ones. And so we pray for our country. We have big elections in a couple of days. But you know the outcome already. You know exactly what's going to happen. You understand the the, the troubles that are going to come with that, the blessings that are come with that, in in a way that, that we're not able to comprehend. Our, our, our vision, our ability to see things is so limited, but your vision isn't, has no limits. And so we pray for everyone in leadership in our country, everyone who's going to be voting, uh, everyone who's going to see whether their, their preferred candidate win or, or lose. Uh, Father, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would give us peace about uh, these results, uh, that you would protect everyone in law enforcement that that might be facing difficult times these next days and possibly even weeks. Uh, We pray for for safety of everyone in the communities that are especially affected when 
when things begin to occur and go south. We're grateful to you. We pray that you would bless this nation in a way that would ultimately bring honor and glory to your holy name. We're grateful and we are confident, Father, that your love and your grace, your mercy and your faithfulness will continue on regardless of the election results. Help us to be considerate, loving towards one another, not just our loved ones, but also uh, those that have differing points of view. We ask that in all times, Father, you would give us the desire to seek after you and your truth based on your word, and that we would do it in love as we express that to others. We thank you and we ask you this in the wonderful, mighty, eternal name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right, beloved. <clears throat> this morning, what I would like to do is to have a two-part series sermon. I want to talk about identity. Identity. Like, who are we in Christ? And I think this is really, really important because... Many of us, and I would say all of us, have difficulty understanding and living out who we are in Christ. And, and I figured instead of trying to cram everything that I wanted to share with you into one Sunday or one sermon, I want to divide that into two. And so today, um, I've entitled this, this message, Reborn Identity. Reborn Identity. Nothing to do with born identity. I know you guys were thinking that already, if you guys are movie buffs, but this identity that we have as re people that have been reborn, born again. I want to share with you, um, I'm thinking that we, um, let's see here. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Um, but before I do that, I want to, uh, all these announcements kind of threw me off a little bit, but I want to I take communion with you as we gather together this morning in this, I would say, beautiful morning, right? Uh, I don't know if you guys were trick-or-treating late last night. You guys look all alert and ready to go, uh, or you're all hyper because all the candy you may have eaten since. But uh, let's, let's take communion together. Let's reflect on the fact that, boy, what allows us even the opportunity to gather in his name and glorify him and worship him is the fact that we have a relationship with him. I want to I want to share with you Colossians chapter 2 verses 12 through 14. Beautiful, super interesting portion in scripture that I think will prepare our hearts and our minds to to take communion this morning together. So Paul here writes in Colossians chapter 2 verses 12 through 14. Listen to this. He says buried with him, him being our Lord Jesus Christ, Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you, which was contrary to us, and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Paul, in these, these couple of verses, just says some amazing things, especially uh, towards the end of 13, it says that he has made us to, 
alive together with Christ, how having forgiven us all trespasses. That is so important. Having forgiven us all trespasses. And then he says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. That's a reference to the law that was contrary to us. We had all these things going against us. And he says, uh, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way. How? Having nailed it to the cross. I mean, that imagery of this cross, and you have the body of our Lord Jesus Christ being offered, and he's saying what was, what was part, part of uh, what was being nailed to the cross was indeed his flesh, but it was really the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Everything that, in, that, that accused us and convicted us and, and um, was, was nailed to the cross as, as his flesh was being nailed to the cross. And so when we take communion, we take part of this celebration as we remember this bread being representative of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and remembering that he volunteered himself to give up his perfect body as a sacrifice for all of our sins. Let's take that in remembrance of him. And as we take the juice that represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're reminded of the payment that was paid. It was his life. The Bible says that life is in the blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so our Lord sheds his blood on the cross as a payment for our sins. Let's do this in remembrance of him. All right, Reborn Identity Part 1, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Let me share with you a key verse first of all, because when it comes down to it, if somebody was to ask you, who are you? Like, really, who are you? I'm sure we've all been asked that question, or whenever we meet somebody new, we're trying to be friends, and we start talking about ourselves. Like, what comes out of you first? What is it that you want to share with people? What is it that you would want people to know about you as you're getting to know somebody else? And, um, and this idea of, of identity is so important because we, we wrap ourselves in, in, in so many things so easily, so easily. And many of us, as we look at our lives, we could probably remember as kids, we were all into this. And then as teenagers, we all got into that. And then uh, as young adults, we got into this. And it just kind of defined who we are and dictated what we did and how we behaved. And, and as adults, it, it continues and, and sometimes we're, we're able to look back and say, wow, you know, I really dedicated myself to this thing for, for so long. And then you kind of move out of that and you realize how much of your identity was based on that one thing. And, 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 and very often, it's, it's not, they're not things that, that are godly or righteous or holy. They're, they're kind of worldly or godless, maybe not necessarily bad or evil, but they're not things that are ultimately glorifying to God. And so... When it comes to identity, it's so important for us to be clear about who we are. 
And so John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become, very important, children of God, to those who believe in his name. Beloved, as, as people that have been born again by God's grace through the gospel, we are first and foremost children of God. And that should really excite you. I don't know. That, that excites me. The, there is no greater honor. There is no greater title that, that I can uh, rejoice in than knowing that I am a child of God. I mean, the implications of that are, are immense. The main point for this morning is this. Living out our new identity in Christ is the best way to live for God's glory. Learning to live out our identity in Christ is the best way to live for God's glory. If we don't understand who we are and we're not living out this new identity in Christ, we were probably living for our own glory, not for God's glory. And so we want to be careful with that. Um, this is an issue that needs to be resolved. And, and, and it's not a one-time thing. It's like, okay, oh, fine, I'm a child of God. Good, let's, let's continue with the rest of our lives. It's something that affects our It should affect our daily lives. I am a child of God. As we wake up every morning as, with, with the gift of life for one more day, the first thing that we should be meditating on the fact is that God, the eternal, holy creator, is our dad, our father. And that should affect everything that we do, everything that we are. So I have a couple questions for you to meditate and think about. Just kind of get the brain going this morning. I already asked you the first one. Who are you? Who are you? Who do people say that you are? That's not always, you may not always get the same answer. Who do people say that you are? What defines you? Or what are some of the outstanding characteristics about you? This is a scary question. What would you have a real hard time with if it was taken away from you? And, and I bet that we probably have a couple of answers for that that just immediately come to mind. And, and I'm reminded of Job. And there's a reason why that story is there. You know, this righteous man that God chose to take just about everything from him. And so I ask, what would we have a really hard time um, with if it was taken from us? And most importantly, who does God say that you are? And do you believe it? And are you living out that truth in your daily life? And understand, beloved, belonging to a, to a, a local congregation, part of that benefit or that blessing is being able to live out that life together. Because it's not easy. We're going we're gonna to deal with that. You know, for a teenager growing up in a Christian home, in a Christian church, it's not easy. I, you know, I, I grew up in, in, in a Christian home, and I would say a good church, Bible-believing church. I, I knew who I was, but boy, the mistakes that I made and, and some of the things that I thought and some of the things that I kind of gave myself over to that maybe weren't necessarily bad or evil, but but I could certainly see how some of my priorities were a little skewed and how my identity was so wrapped up in 
in how I performed as, as an athlete or as a student or, or how I didn't perform as a student, I should say. Nah. All right. Keep, keep that in mind because I think this is, this is something that affects everyone from the oldest to the youngest here and online. You know, who we are versus who does God say that we are and how do we live or learn to, to continually live that out is, is, is something that we're able to encourage each other with and, and help each other. Trying to do that in isolation is just so much more difficult than I would say impossible. A child of God kind of by definition means you belong to a spiritual family. And you trying to grow up by yourself apart from a spiritual family would, would only get you in trouble. God intends for us to, to do this life together. Now, failure to understand, accept, or live out this new identity results in at least three major outcomes that are negative. So if we don't understand our, our identity in Christ, will result in at least three major outcomes that, that, are, that aren't good. First of all, if we don't understand who we are or, you know, or if we don't accept it, um, and I say that because you may know what the Bible says about you, but you may not quite accept that. You might have a hard time accepting seeing yourself the way God sees you. So, um, and then uh, accepting it or, or even living it out, you may understand what the Bible says about you. You may uh, accept it, but if you're not living out that new identity, it'll also result in one of these three major negative results. So first one, just really quick, as a form of introduction, still, number one, is that we can engage in lifestyles and choices that are sinful against God's will for us. If we don't understand who we are, we may, we may make choices and choose to live lifestyles that are contrary to what God's will is for our lives. And that's not good. You know, we're, we're living out this this life that is not in accordance to how God wants us to live it because we don't understand, accept, or live out our new identity. A second thing is that we can experience confusion as we see inconsistencies in our lives between what we profess to believe and how we live. Um, and then we also confuse the world around us uh, about what it means to be a Christian or a disciple of Christ. So there's this confusion. If you love it, I'm telling you, there's a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of confusion in here in the church about what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ, a child of God, born-again believer? And if we're not accepting our new identity, if, we're not, uh, if we don't know it, if we don't accept it, or we don't live it out, what's going to happen is that as we try to live out our Christian life, there's going to be all kinds of confusion. And I certainly remember, especially as a teenager, just a lot of confusion, a lot of, you know, sometimes doubt, like, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to be a Christian here, what's going on? And, and maybe something's wrong. And, um, and then we also confuse people around us. There's so many people that will not step foot into a church. And one of the, the major uh, things that they'll say is, is, you know, there's just a lot of hypocrites in the church, and so I don't want to go there. And then they'll probably cite a relative of theirs that's just, you know, in their mind, a little cuckoo out there. It's like, yeah, you know, I have an auntie who's a Christian, and whoo-wee. Or they'll say something like, and I went to the church once, and I ran out of there after the first 10 minutes. I don't know what was going on, or, or whatever. Or, or, or they'll say something like, um, yeah, you know, I have my, my whole family says they're Christian, but you should see them at home, and it's a mess. 
And, and I don't know, I, that's not for me. And then they'll say Christianity is not for me. And it's not that it's Christianity, it's, this, it's, it's sometimes our, our bad witness of what we say Christianity is. That, that's not real Christianity. That's, that's us trying to live out a Christian life without understanding, accepting, or living out our new identity in Christ. And um, because none of us live a perfect life, I'm sure this, this, this should be hitting home to all of us. You know, sometimes our own children look at us and say, like, you're a Christian? Nothing like having your kids tell you that, huh? Or a friend? Or, or throw that back in your face? Or our relatives, our friends, our co-workers, our spouses? So because none of us will ever live perfectly the Christian life, then I think this study is for all of us. This message is for all of us because we all have room to improve in understanding what our identity is in Christ. And it's really not that easy. It's quite complicated. It's quite complicated as, we see, as we're going to see Paul a little bit as an example that he had a hard time living out his new identity in Christ, even though he understood it quite well, probably better than anybody else, and accepted it and was working hard at following the Lord's will for his life. And still he had issues with it. So, look, the world, the devil, and our flesh, we've talked about those being our three major enemies. The world, the devil, and our own flesh tell us who they think we are. But beloved, don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies. You know, the accuser is always going to be trying to accuse you. Oh, look at you again. And you call yourself a what? When are you going to stop being such a phony? Why don't you just, and why don't you, and what? And if we're not careful, beloved, those thoughts will get a hold of you. And you'll find yourself doubting, you'll find yourself discouraged, and you'll find yourselves in a, in a, in not a good place, in a dark place. And so let's take a look at God's word. There's nothing like, now that I've got you all depressed and worried, Let's look at God's word for understanding. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17, now that we have only some 10 minutes to do this. All right, very important. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17, the whole chapter is awesome. All of Romans is great, but we're going to take this small portion, and it says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and, co- and joint heirs with Christ Jesus, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you uh, this morning, we're grateful for allowing us the opportunity to gather together here at this place and those that are joining us online. Thank you. And uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be our, our teacher this morning, our guide, that you would convict us, that you would encourage us, that you would equip us, and that uh, we would leave here uh, transformed and res- with a resolve to, to want to better understand who we are in Christ and, and to be able to accept that by faith 
and to live it out as we, as we exit here, as we uh, attempt to impact the world around us. We thank you. We ask you this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. All right, beloved. Lots to mention here, but I want to just share two things, all right? Two points today. Um, and that is um, living out our new identity in Christ means two things for our purposes. It means a lot more things than that. But for this morning's message, we're going to say, we're going to point out two things. So living out our new identity in Christ means, number one, learning to deal with the flesh. Learning to deal with the flesh. So there's two parts. If we're going to live out our identity in Christ, first of all, we need to learn to deal with our flesh because your flesh is not going anywhere. It's here to stay. And our flesh, this body, is not going to be perfected until it is transformed completely when we are face-to-face with our Lord. When our time is up here or when He comes back for His church, And when we're in his presence, we will be transformed and have a new body free of the presence of sin. Until then, it's here to stay. And that would would answer a lot of your questions about why you're confused, about why it is that you find yourself doing things that that you didn't want to do, that you thought you were done with, and uh, that you used to do before you were a Christian. And now they're, they're popping up after you're a Christian, and you're wondering, like, what in the world? What happened? I thought I was done with that. Well, because we don't have uh, perfect bodies and we're still in the flesh, um, the presence of sin is still here. And it will be until we're no longer uh, in this world. So we need to learn to deal with the flesh. You know, you ever find yourself doing things that that are against God's will for your life? Or do you ever find yourself not doing the things that you know God wants you to do? I bet you do. Let's talk about what the flesh is. Like, what is the flesh? Simple, simple definition would be is our unredeemed humanness. It's really who you are outside of Christ. Born in sin, with a tendency to sin. Nobody had to teach you how to sin. You, that came with the whole package. That was part of the deal. When you're born into this world, you were uh, conceived in sin. David says. And, and we inherited this sinful nature all the way back from Adam. And it, it's going to be with you until then. Now that doesn't mean at all that we're okay with our sin and we're okay with the flesh. And you know, well, Mike said that uh, it's going to be around, so might as well get used to it. Like That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about there needs to be a, a fight. Paul talks about fighting the good fight. And that is us in the spirit fighting against our flesh and the desires of the flesh. And we'll talk about that really quick. So the flesh is our unredeemed humanness. And it deals with, it, it includes our mind, our body, our will, and our emotions. Like the, 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 entire, the entirety of you outside of Christ. It's who we all were before knowing Christ. That's all we were before Christ came along. And as Christians, we face a lifelong battle against it. So we got to keep that in mind. Now, we have a choice, beloved. As Christians, we have a choice to live in accordance to the flesh or according to the Spirit. Before you became a Christian, before you were born again, 
You really had no choice. That's who you were. That's who you were. As Christians, we now have a choice to be obedient to God and do the things that he wants us to and live a life that, that, that would please him and honor him or to do our own thing as we did before we knew him. But we have a choice. Let me read a couple of verses to you. Well, in, in this Romans 8, verses 12 and 13, let me take those two verses to illustrate the point that we're talking about. It says, therefore, brethren, he's talking to Christians, Paul is, he says, we are debtors. We have this debt, not to, live, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if we live according to the flesh, we will die. So he says, first of all, you need to understand, as Christians, we, are, we, we have this amazing, incredible debt, and the debt is not towards the flesh. We owe nothing to the flesh anymore. There is nothing that we owe to the flesh. You don't have to feel bad that you're no longer sinning. You don't have to feel bad that your flesh is being neglected. We are debtors, but not unto the flesh. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You see that? Under the power of the Spirit, we have the ability to put to death the flesh. And so as Christians, we're never going to be sinless, but we ought to sin less. And that talks about our progress, our growth, our maturity in Christ. Listen to what Peter says. He puts it a little bit different, but he's talking about the same thing. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, which war against the soul. There is a battle. There's a war going on inside each Christian. But thank God for that battle, beloved. Thank God for that battle. Because if, especially if you came to Christ later in life, but this applies to everybody, no matter when you came to, to know the Lord. There was a time when you sinned and you didn't care. That's what you wanted to do. That's what your flesh wanted to do. Yeah, you may have felt a little weird because maybe your mom might find out or whatever. But you sinned and, and that was perfectly fine because that was who you are. Unredeemed, unborn again, that was your identity. Born in sin. You were doing what was natural to you. But as Christians, we now have the Holy Spirit who convicts us of our sin. And thank God for that evidence in you where you're no longer able to do just whatever you want because the Holy Spirit of God is in you, convicting you of your sin, letting you know that what you're doing is not right. And not just giving you a, a guilt trip, but the ability to repent from that in order that you will be more like his son. So thank God for that battle. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. I say then, this is also Paul. He says, walk in the Spirit. That's a command. And you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You want to sin less? Walk in the Spirit. It says the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. There's that battle. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissension, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, 
revelries, and the like. So that's not an all-inclusive list. There's many more. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I saw I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And one of the ways that we know that we are children of God is that we no longer practice. Our lives should cannot be characterized by these ty this type of living. Will we sin? Yes. But as a child of God, you cannot stay in that sin. If you do, that's a very bad sign. Because he's saying anybody who practices these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, is somebody able to make a mistake? Of course. Can somebody fall into temptation and give in? Of course. We all do. But we repent from that. We confess, and he is just and faithful to forgive us of all our sins. But we don't stay there, beloved. We don't stay there. Staying in our sin, getting well acquainted with our sin, feeling bad for our sin, feeling like we owe our flesh you know, something, and we stay there, is not a good sign. And that's what we need our family to check up on us. Accountability is a good thing, beloved. This is not natural for us. So I'm not going to get to point number two. You're going to have to come next week. And we're going to talk about the second point, which is looking for the work of the Spirit in us. So when we talk about how do we live our new identity in Christ, we first need to learn to deal with our flesh. And, and it's so comforting, reassuring to know that we don't have to be confused. We should be concerned when we see sin in our lives, and we should deal with it. And by God's power and His Spirit and His Word, we're able to deal with any sin in our lives, beloved. That's so exciting to me because we all struggle with things, right? And some of you have more you know, um, visible or public sins and struggles, and some of us have much more intimate and, and uh, private struggles. But we all have struggles. Can we all agree with that or in that? We all have struggles. And, and the more you try to hide it, the less you're able to deal with it, and the longer you're going to have trouble trying to live out your new identity. The Bible says we need to confess our sins one to another. You need to find people that you can trust and share with them what's going on, what struggles you're going through from youngest to oldest, and we have to be committed to learning to, to, to know, accept, and live out our new identity in Christ. Who are we, beloved? By God's grace, I am a child of God, and to that I say, hallelujah. Praise God. Me? Sinful me. That, that doesn't deserve what God has given me. By His grace, I am a child of God. And I rejoice in the opportunity to know Him better and know myself through Him, through the Word, and together with you, learn to live out that new identity in Christ. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we're so grateful to You. And uh, we just want to say thank You. Thank You that we are able to call You our Father. To understand that we are children of Yours, the Most High and Only True God. Help us to accept that, Father. I know sometimes we believe the lies. And help us to live out that reality in a way that will bring honor and glory to you, that would 
that would seize the confusion inside of us and, and, and seize the confusion that we project onto others as our, we, we live inconsistent lives when we profess. We realize we all come short, but help us, Father, to be united, to plug in, to work together as a family in order to build each other up and help each other out. I thank you, and I ask you this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. As I told you before, we have some people up here if you want to come up and uh, share. If you have something to share, if you need prayer, uh, I'm certainly available as well. God bless you. You are dismissed.